I want to encourage you to take the next step. The next step is to upgrade your walk with Jesus. That's the next step after you've consecrated your life. Well, this year, we're talking about upgrading our lives, our hearts, our church for the Lord Jesus Christ, for His glory. Upgrading our lives is something good to do. It is good to upgrade your life. And the good news is that everyone can do it. No one is excluded. Everyone is able. And I certainly want to upgrade my life this year. How about you? Yes? Well, what happens when we upgrade our lives for the Lord? I wrote down six benefits. Number one is God benefits with more glory. You will glorify God more if you upgrade your life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, we benefit. We benefit when we upgrade because we will get more peace and more joy and more rewards in heaven. Number three, our families will benefit because they will get a more wonderful family member. Number four, our friends will benefit because they'll have a more encouraging and faithful friend. Number five, the unsaved people in our lives will benefit with a better witness for the Lord Jesus. They will see it in us. And number six, the devil loses all around. And don't you just love the sound of that? He is the enemy. Joshua, we're going to talk about Joshua this morning. And... This evening, Pastor Silver is going to be talking about Joshua this evening, and he has a whole other message on Joshua tonight. And I want to encourage you to come for 6 o'clock and be here for that. We're going to have a lot of fun in the service tonight. It's the fifth Sunday special, so there's going to be some more music and things, but it's just going to be a nice time. You'll enjoy it. But Joshua was a great man of God. He loved God with all his heart. And Joshua found several ways that he could upgrade his life for God. And today we're going to see what those are. So let's have a word of prayer first before we continue. Now our Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak with our hearts. Holy Spirit of God, you know how fragile, frail, falling each and every one of us really truly are. Please overcome our humanity and our weakness. Help us to preach and to listen as unto eternity. Holy Spirit of God, get a hold of our hearts. Help us in this matter of upgrading. For some people, they don't like the thought of change. And yet, this is a good change. And it brings so many benefits. First and foremost, Lord, it'll glorify you. So help us with this. Help every one of us here today and everyone watching online to make an upgrade in their walk with Jesus. And Father, we'll pray this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to share with you today five upgrades in Joshua's life. And you're wondering maybe, what are some of these upgrades? Well, here they are. Number one, Joshua's first upgrade was when he left Egypt with Moses and the children of Israel. We have no verse of scripture that we can turn to and point and say, well, here it mentions Joshua leaving Egypt, but it's sort of a foregone conclusion. Uh, Joshua was born in Egyptian slavery. You probably know this if you've read your Bible. 
that Israel as a nation spent many, many, many years in bondage to the Egyptians and they suffered a lot. They cried out to God and God heard them and sent a deliverer. His name was Moses. Egypt was a very worldly place and most of the Egyptian people did not know God as their Savior. I say most because I believe a few of them did and left when Israel left. They went with them. By leaving Egypt, Joshua was turning his back on the ways of the world. Let's say it that way. He was turning his back on the pleasures of sin and all it had to offer. And likewise, it comes down to you and I. That happy day when we realize that we're a lost sinner and Jesus is a loving Savior and we repent of our sin and receive Christ into our hearts. That's the day we leave Egypt. So there's a nice picture there for us. And Joshua's first upgrade was leaving Egypt. Now, Joshua's second upgrade is found in the book of Exodus. And I'd like to direct your attention there. Exodus chapter number 17. So Genesis is the easiest book in the Bible to find, I think. Maybe Revelation is the second easiest. But Exodus is the very next book after Genesis. So we'll go to Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17. And Joshua's second upgrade was when he got involved in the fight for righteousness. This was his second upgrade. Now in chapter 17, I'd like you to look at verse number 8. And I'll read verses 8 to 10 and you just follow along in your Bible there. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Now Amalek here was, was the, the bad guys. Verse 9, And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. I think we're all familiar with this story. As Moses held the rod of God in his hand and held it up, and Moses was a man of prayer, no doubt about it, he was crying out to God all this time. Israel was winning the battle. But Moses' arms got heavy. They came down, and when they came down, then Amalek started winning the battle. And so Aaron and Hur stood on either side of Moses, the man of God, and they helped by holding up his arms. And then... Israel was able to win the battle that day. But my point here is Joshua's second upgrade. He didn't have to go out. When Moses asked him to do this, he could have said, Moses, uh, you're a great man and I, I follow you, but uh, I, I'm not the man for this job. You know, Choose someone else. There's a battle going on and God's people are involved. We need a good man. You're a good man, Joshua. I, I know, but you're just going to have to find someone else. Now, Joshua didn't say that, but did you know that Moses said that to God when God approached him in the wilderness? Remember the burning bush to get Moses' attention? And Moses went over to see this phenomena. Why isn't this thing burning up? When we were in Hawaii the other week, we saw something that many people have seen, but I haven't seen very often in my life. And it's this little whirlwind that whips up the dirt. And I suppose that it was perhaps the size of this platform, uh, possibly as wide as the auditorium, but 
the wind was whipping up like a little tornado, a miniature tornado out in the middle of the field, the farmer's field, and there it was. And as we drove, I, my wife was driving, I pulled out my, my cell phone camera there and I took a little video of it. And in just a few seconds, it had all of the whipping wind there and then it was gone. It all settled down. It was quite a phenomenon. By the way, thank you folks for praying for us when we went to Hawaii to do some ministry. Uh, the only thing that didn't go with us was our luggage. Uh, we went, the Air Canada flight, they switched planes at the last minute. So we got in this new plane, but our luggage didn't. And so it was uh, on the third day, just like when Jesus died and rose on the third day, it was on the third day that we got our luggage back. So we were very thankful. We were able to uh, minister there. Um, and it's a nice place, but our heart is here. Uh, you folk uh, have done that to us. <laughs> we love you folks so much that uh, after a week, we are climbing the walls ready to come back home to be here with the family. So anyhow, enough about that. But the phenomena about the burning bush, a sight that Moses had never seen, uh, a bush that just kept burning and burning and burning and burning and burning. And he went over to check this out. And that's when God said, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. And Moses realized he was in God's presence. God was telling him, I want you to go back to Egypt and get my people. And Moses was saying, you got the wrong guy. You got the wrong guy. God actually got a little upset with him. Moses said to Joshua, choose out warriors and go and fight against Amalek. Joshua did not say, well, you got the wrong guy. He didn't put up an argument. I wonder if that somehow spoke to Moses' heart. As he went away and Moses may have thought, wow, if only I could have been like that when God came to me. This was the second upgrade in Joshua's life where he went out to fight for righteousness. That's what he was doing, defending the people of God and fighting for righteousness. Did you know the devil is always fighting against God? Did you know that? There's not a day go by. I don't think there's an hour or a moment that goes by that the devil isn't somehow trying to fight against God. Satan, our enemy, is opposing God every which way he can. There's a war going on. Well, I don't want to be part of that war. Sorry, you're involved. You're either going to be a victor or a victim in the war. You have no choice. You are in the battle. There is a war going on. The devil is actively trying to fight you and fight me. Joshua made a great upgrade, a very important upgrade, when he put on the battle armor and he went out to fight for righteousness. That's what we have here, folks. In the Christian life, you and I are told in the book of Ephesians to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We're given one piece of offensive equipment, and that's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we're to use that against Satan. Satan is the enemy. Your neighbor is not the enemy. Your boss at work is not the enemy. The enemy is, is not someone running around on two legs in your life somewhere. No, the, the enemy may be using that person. But the enemy is Satan. Never forget that. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. We are in the battle. The question is, what will you do? Will you put on the armor? Will you do an upgrade and take a stand against Satan? Because I'll tell you this, Satan is going to battle you for your church attendance. He doesn't want you coming to church. 
Now, possibly there's someone watching online right now. Maybe you're off sick or working or, or something like that. You're not able to come. But you know what I'm talking about. The temptation to just oh, put your feet up. King David did that. And he ended up sinning with Bathsheba. That great, horrible, terrible experience with Bathsheba came because it was the time when kings go out to war and David didn't. He stayed at home. And that's when he was looking around and he saw Bathsheba and ended up committing adultery. We need to be where God wants us to be. If you're in good health and you're not working and it's Sunday, be in the Lord's house. The devil's going to fight you. He's going to battle you. He's going to battle you for your daily Bible reading. He'll, oh, you know, he's smart. For many of us Christians, we start reading our Bible like New Year's resolutions. Oh, this year I'm going to read my Bible through. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to spend time with God. And the first day you do. And the second day you do. And the third day you're feeling a bit tired. And so the fourth day you decide that maybe you'll only do half as much time. And the fifth day you do half as much time. And then the sixth day you say, you know, I am, I've done all just about a week now of Bible reading. I think I can afford to take a little vacation. The devil's won. We never take a vacation from reading our Bible. By the way, never take a vacation from taking a shower or a bath <laughs> or brushing your teeth or being in school when you're supposed to be in school, or being in work when you're supposed to be in work. Never take a vacation from reading the Bible. There is no such thing. Don't ever fall for that. And over the years, I've heard Christians tell me that. Oh, you know, Pastor, I, I won't be in church this Sunday. Maybe not for a few weeks. I, I just need to take a little vacation. Don't fall for that lie of the devil. If you're feeling tired, if you're feeling weak, you need the Lord's help. The devil is going to fight you. Joshua did a major step forward when he upgraded by putting on the armor and going out to fight for righteousness. Number three, Joshua's third upgrade was when he started serving under Moses. Now I'd like you to turn to the right a few pages to chapter number 24. Chapter number 24. And I want you to read out loud with me one verse. Not a very long verse. Verse number 13. So 24, 13. Chapter 24, verse 13. Read it out loud with me now. And Moses rose up and his minister Joshua. And Moses went up into the mount of God. This was Joshua's third upgrade when he began serving. He began serving under Moses here. Knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior should result in us serving the Lord Jesus Christ in various ways. You don't have to be the pastor of a church in order to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Every born-again man, woman, and young person can serve Jesus and should and needs to. We have a need to serve the Lord. We can't grow as Christians, unless we are involved serving somehow. And there are lots of different ways in which we can serve the Lord. We have a lot of wonderful people in the church that are serving God in all kinds of various capacities. I'm telling you, I, I'm promising you there's a job for you to do. 
there is something that you can do. You might not think you're talented. I can't sing. I can't, you know, play musical instruments. I, don't, I can't dance. I mean, like what, what more is there? How, how can I serve the Lord? I can promise you there are ways, there are ministries that you can take part in that will help serving the Lord. And this was Joshua's third major upgrade was when he started to serve the Lord. It's a Christian's duty to serve the Lord. And there are plenty of ways to do it. Romans chapter 12 verse 11 says, Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Those are words written to all Christians. We are to serve the Lord. By serving the Lord, Joshua made a wonderful, a big upgrade to his walk with God. My encouragement to each and every one of you, if you are born again, if you're saved, if Jesus is in your heart, What are you doing for the Savior? You need to be involved somehow in some sort of ministry. If you're confused about this, talk to one of the pastors. Any one of the pastors, take time and sit down and explain what's involved in serving the Lord. They'll give you some some ideas. You say, now what if I'm not a member of the church? Can I still serve the Lord? Yes, there's still ways you can serve the Lord. You may not be able to join the choir, but there's ways you can serve the Lord. There really are. So this was Joshua's third. Now Joshua's fourth upgrade was when he volunteered to help spy out the promised land. Remember, God brought his children out, the children of Israel out into the wilderness. He wanted to put them in the promised land. That's the land we call Israel today. Rob, Nico, Bruno, and Joseph are over there dodging bullets right now. Having a wonderful time, a nice vacation. Do pray for them. Keep them safe, okay? Pray for those four dear brothers. But this is something that Joshua volunteered for. It's above and beyond regular service. He became part of the spy committee. Or you might even want to call it the building committee. Because they were looking for a home for God's people. So it may be something like a building committee, I suppose. Take your Bible, turn to the right, and I want you to go after Leviticus to the book of Numbers, chapter number 13. Numbers chapter 13. I'll give you just a moment to find that. In chapter 13, you have the 12 tribes listed and from each tribe, a man volunteered to be part of the spy committee. They were going to go in to the promised land by stealth and they were going to look it all over and figure it all out and bring word back to Moses and the children of Israel. And so starting in verse 4, you have of the tribe of Reuben, verse 5, the tribe of Simeon, Uh, Verse 6, the tribe of Judah. There's Caleb, by the way. And then on it goes uh, right down to verse 15. Now, I want you to see verse 16. These are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Oshia, the son of Nun, Jehoshua. And there he is Joshua. There he is right there. And Joshua... He volunteered for this. This was more than just serving under Moses. He was Moses' minister. Whatever Moses needed, Joshua was right there to help him. I thank God for the pastors in our church. 
I thank God for the deacons in our church. These men are serving the Lord. And in many ways, they're doing things that I'm, I'm not able to do. And so it works wonderfully. And I really praise the Lord for them. And I hope they're on your prayer list that you pray for the pastors and the deacons every day. Um, if the devil can take out a commission, some or all of the pastors or deacons, then he's going to hurt this church pretty bad. And so pray for the pastors and deacons every day. And so here, the time came when Moses called for volunteers to go in and search out the promised land. And Joshua stepped up and raised his hand and says, you can count on me, Moses. I'll be one of those. I'll volunteer. This was an exciting adventure, not just for Joshua and Caleb. Those are the two heroes of the story. But really, it was an exciting adventure for all 12 of these men. And they could have had great things written about them. But you know, it was also a sacred responsibility. Not only was it an exciting responsibility, it was a sacred responsibility. Finding a good home for God's people is always a sacred responsibility. As a church, we've been around now for going on 24 years. Uh, this, this October, it'll be 24 years from when we very first started. And we thank God for the 24 years. But you know, we still don't have a permanent home. As a church, we rent. You know that. We don't have to set up and take down. We're so thankful for that. But we just rent. We don't own the facility. It would be good if we could get into a larger facility that we could own. To do that, of course, we're going to need godly men and women who can help search out the land and find the the place where God would have us be. On our prayer list that we hand out every Wednesday on one of the lines is pray for a, a building of our own, a permanent building. Now this, it's possible this building could be the building God wants to give us. If it is, one of the first things I think we should do is try and put a second story so we get more classroom space, more office space. We could do a lot more if we had the space. We might be able to get a little Christian school started if we had the space, something for the children. But how, how often are we praying for a building? Here, God wanted his people in the promised land. So they put together a little spy committee here. And um, what happened was they went in. You know, some things just require faith. The spy committee was supposed to go in and look at the promised land, the land that God said, I'm going to give you. And they were supposed to look at it by faith. And Joshua and Caleb did just that and they looked at it by faith. But the other 10 spies didn't. They looked at everything that could go wrong. They saw the giants in the land. They saw the cities that were, well, in their words, walled right up to heaven. You know, they thought it was a great place, but they thought it was impossible. It cannot be done. Well, I tell you, we, we look back on, on these stories and we say, oh, the fools, it ended up in 40 years of wilderness wanderings, if you know the story. Boy, we wouldn't do that if, if we were back then. I don't know. I don't know. But I know we're here today and God calls upon us to live by faith. What will be our next major accomplishment? Maybe it'll be a new piano. Maybe that's the next step for us. Good pianos are not cheap. 
They cost a lot of money. Where are we going to get the money? I will show you where we can get the money later. But there's something there that would require faith. People who do not understand the importance of a good piano might say, well, what's wrong with this one? In fact, what's wrong with little dink, 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 dink one you buy from Walmart? Eh? Why can't we use that? You, you just don't use toys like that for the work of God. You, you use good equipment. Anyhow, I don't want to talk about pianos here. I want to talk about this matter of faith. Now, unfortunately, 10 of the 12 spies on the building committee had no faith. And they came back and they brought an evil report of the promised land. This was the land God said, I'm going to give you. And all they could see was problems. And what happened? Those 10 men caused 2 million or less or more, whatever. We don't know how many were there, but they caused the Jewish adults from 20 years old and up to despair. They threw up their hands and they cried. They probably threw dust in the air and said, oh, Terrible, terrible, terrible. Can't get in the promised land. What's wrong with God? What's wrong with Moses? What's wrong with the leadership? They brought us out of Egypt. We could have been living back. They brought us into this wilderness here. We're going to die in this wilderness. There's no, not enough graves in Egypt. They had to bring us out here to the, to the wilderness. And they cried all kinds of crazy things like that. And God was very upset with them, of course. But all the children of Israel despaired. Only Joshua and Caleb brought back a good report. And they tried to encourage the people. And they said, no, wait, wait. God is for us. We can do this. We can do this. But they wouldn't listen to them. But I'll have you know that God blessed Joshua and Caleb for their faith. God blessed them. Remember, this was an upgrade in Joshua's life when he volunteered for the spy committee to seek out you know, the promised land. God blessed these two men because of all of the adults, age 20 and up, These were the only two who were allowed to go into the promised land. All the rest died out, Moses included. They all died out in the wilderness. And so, you know, 19 years of age and under, these ones grew up and entered into the promised land. But God blessed these men. By serving with faith on the spy committee, Joshua made a vital upgrade in his walk with God. So this was, to summarize it, this was more than just serving under Moses. This was a special assignment. And he took it by faith and God blessed him for it. And then finally, number five, Joshua's final upgrade. At least these are the five that I'm presenting to you today. Joshua's final upgrade is found just a few pages to the right. Turn there in chapter 27 of Numbers. Numbers chapter 27. Numbers 27. Joshua's final upgrade was when he led the children of Israel into the promised land. Our scripture reading this morning in Joshua chapter 1 verses 1 to 8 God was telling Joshua, don't be afraid, be encouraged. Joshua was about 80 years of age at this time. And he had come through a lot of battles and a lot of serving of the Lord. 40 years of it. And he was finally ready. And at 80 years of age, God said, okay, you're going to be the one to lead the children of Israel across the Jordan into the promised land. There would be battles. And for the next 20 years of Joshua's life, He helped win those battles and take over the promised land. 
But in chapter 27, I want you to see this, starting here at verse number 15. And Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation which may go out before them and which may go in before them and which may lead them out and which may bring them in. That the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. Moses was asking God, praying to God, we need a man. I know I can't be that man. Lord God, choose a man. A leader who can take the congregation into the promised land. Verse 18, And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon him. Joshua was given this golden opportunity to take over from Moses, and what a joyous time it was. It was a scary time, I think, for Joshua. But it was a wonderful time. It is always, listen, me, listen very carefully to this. It is always, without an exception, it is always a great honor to serve the Lord full time in a leadership position. It is always a great honor to serve the Lord full time in a leadership position. And because Joshua was faithful for many years and upgrading his life, God opened this upgrade for him and allowed him to become the leader. The greatest job in the world, the greatest job in the world, the greatest job in the world is always serving the Lord God in some way full time. That's the greatest job in the world. It is the ultimate upgrade. And listen to me very carefully. Young men, Listen to me. I encourage you, young men, to listen for God's call upon your life and come to Bible college in the fall and start preparing and training. Actually, you could even start by taking an online class. You can do that. Talk to Pastor Silver about that. So, all through his life, Joshua was finding new ways to upgrade his walk and his service for God. And near the end of Joshua's life, Joshua summarized his philosophy of walking with the Lord, his philosophy of upgrading his walk with God. And I want you to see this for yourself if you turn to the right now to the book of Joshua, chapter number 24. Joshua is now at the end. He's talking to the Children of Israel, Joshua chapter 24. And he's sharing here, you'll find his philosophy of life. His philosophy of walking with God and upgrading. You'll find it here in verse number 15. And again, I'd like you to read it out loud with me. Joshua 24 verse 15. Read it together with me now. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord... Choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. <laughs> those are great words. Some of you have those words in a plaque on the wall of your home. 
Those are great words. People who upgrade their lives to walk close with God always end up with a philosophy. Always. Job in the Old Testament upgraded his life to walk with God and he said these words, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Moses upgraded his life and he wrote in one of the Psalms, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's his philosophy for walking with God. King David upgraded his life and he said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. John the Baptist upgraded his life and gave his philosophy for walking with God. He must increase, but I must decrease. The Apostle Paul upgraded his life and gave his philosophy. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Everyone who walks with God and upgrades their life, everyone comes out with a philosophy at some point. It's just very interesting. A Christian man named Eugene Monroe Bartlett was born in 1885. He grew to be a godly Christian man. He lived through the First World War and he lived through part of the Second World War. Eugene knew the ups and downs of life, but his greatest desire was to live for Jesus Christ. And he found ways to upgrade his Christian life. And shortly before he died in 1941, he wrote his life's philosophy in a hymn which we have in our hymn books today and we sing every so often in our church and that hymn is Victory in Jesus. That was Eugene's philosophy of walking with God. Missionary George Grenfell was born in 1849. He spent his life winning lost souls in Africa to the Lord Jesus Christ and planting churches along the Congo. In 1906... George died. And on his deathbed, George expressed his philosophy of life with his last words, Jesus is mine. Down through the ages, so many wonderful Christian men and women have upgraded their lives and walked closer with Jesus than many other Christians around them. And they are remembered even to this day. Um, Long after nominal Christians are forgotten, they are remembered for their close walk with Jesus and their great service for God. Every one of them has come to the end of their lives with essentially the same song, if you will, the same song on their lips, take the world, but give me Jesus. You see, back in 1879, a blind Christian woman named Fanny Crosby wrote her philosophy of Christian living. She wrote it in the words of this hymn, Take the world, but give me Jesus. In His cross my trust shall be, till with clearer, brighter vision, remember she was blind, face to face, my Lord, I see. We have to end, folks. But my Christian brother, my Christian sister, listen to me. 
Three Sundays ago, many of you came forward on the invitation. You got on your knees and you consecrated your life to Jesus. And that was a blessed, sacred moment. I have memory burned in my, my brain from standing up here and witnessing that event. That was an incredible Sunday. And what you did was absolutely wonderful. But today, I want to encourage you to take the next step. The next step is to upgrade your walk with Jesus. That's the next step after you've consecrated your life. Say, what will that involve? Well, for some people, for some people it may involve, an upgrade may involve being in church on time. I, 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 I make no joke. Some people have trouble getting to an appointment or getting someplace on time. They're often, often, often late, late, late. That would be a wonderful upgrade. Your service for God, for the King of Kings, is to be in His house on time. That would be a good upgrade. Possibly for some other Christian people, it means attending church more regularly instead of hit and miss. Attending more regular church. For some people, it may perhaps mean start attending one extra church service per week. We have a Bible class at 10 o'clock. We have a Sunday morning 11 o'clock service. We have a Sunday evening service, 6 o'clock. And we have a Wednesday 7 o'clock service. So we have four regular public church services. Another possible good upgrade is to start adding one extra church service to your weekly schedule. That'll give you 52 more church services in a year. And it'll give you that much more spiritual input. So that would be a good upgrade. For some, perhaps, their upgrade might be tithing. Maybe they have trouble or they're hit and miss with their tithing or maybe they haven't done it yet. By faith, step out by faith and start tithing. Or perhaps start giving a little extra to missions so that we can take on the support of more missionaries and thereby receive more of God's blessing in our homes and in our church. Another possible upgrade for some might be to start daily consistent family devotions. Not here and there and then you miss a week or two and then, oh, yeah, do it again. But daily, regular time with the family together you read a few verses of scripture, maybe you make a few applications, you have prayer together. The family altar. It used to be a staple in Christian homes years ago, sadly lacking in so many Christian homes today. Moms and dads and kids, they meet at the dinner table sometimes, or they meet around the TV for dinner, and off they go. The family altar. Boy, the devil won a great victory when he knocked down the family altar. That would be a wonderful upgrade to get that altar back up every day. You don't have to spend an hour at the family altar, but a short little season together and make it interesting for the kids. Um, maybe for some other people, it'll, an upgrade would be to help us to get the gospel out. You know, on Saturdays, we've got the fire brigade and we take gospel literature and we put it in mailboxes. Like there's a way, you don't even have to be a member of the church. You can serve in that capacity. We, we meet here Saturdays at 10. You say, well, what, what if I'd like to do it, but I happen to be working at Saturday mornings at 10? You talk to uh, Pastor Deviant or Pastor Silver, 
And they can set you up with some gospel tracts, put in mailboxes. They'll give you a little map. You could do it another day of the week. But it's a ministry that you can be involved with. Whatever it is, folks, please do something. Make some kind of upgrade for the Lord Jesus. That's your next step. Possibly for someone here, you don't know the Lord yet as Savior. Perhaps your next step is to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. I was born in 1956 and I grew up with a little bit of religious knowledge. I knew about Jesus, but I did not know actually know Jesus. He was kind of way out there somewhere, but I did not actually know him. A buddy in high school gave me a ride in his car one day and he turned to me and told me, Jesus Christ is my best friend. That's what he told me. He said Jesus Christ was his best friend. I'd never heard those words before, not even from the priest of the church I grew up in. Here was a a young guy telling me that he was best friends with Jesus Christ and I thought he was nuts. But I later came to learn that with God, all things are possible. And so for me in 1975, that's that's about almost 48 years ago now, I learned what the Bible says about how to actually receive Jesus Christ as Savior, to know him as Savior. And that's when I decided to upgrade my life. I was still 18 going on 19. And I figured, well, it can't get any much worse, I guess, than what I've done with it. And I decided to upgrade my life. And I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. And guess what? He became my best friend. Just like my buddy said, Jesus Christ became my best friend. Perhaps you're here today and you're something like me. You know about God, but you don't actually know him. You're not able to say that Jesus is your best friend. You you can't say that yet. Well, there's nothing holding you back. Today can be your day, your most wonderful day. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. Today, right where you're sitting, you can receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you'll do it. If you'll come to Jesus in prayer, the way the Bible says to do it, you can have a new best friend. That would be a wonderful upgrade. Bow your head and close your eyes with me in prayer as we, as we go to God now in prayer. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.